Amen. Uh, let's go ahead. Usher's going to come. Let's give out of how God has given to us. Uh, and if go for it, guys. Uh, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, you should have gotten a bunch of papers as you walked in. One of them says, get connected. Fill that out in the next half hour, and then as soon as you head outside, we've got a table on your right of some really nice people who have a gift for you. It's our way of saying thanks so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, what we've been talking about, uh, we started it last week. It was one of the papers that was handed to you. Uh, as the year ends, there's opportunities for us to be generous. Everybody's got their Christmas list. For us as a church, we've got some opportunities uh, for us to give generously toward a few things. Uh, and some of them are like what Pastor Greg talked about with those Christmas outreaches in Asia. Uh, there's other stuff that's happening in Turkey and Central Asia that we can give to. And then there's five things uh, at our new building that range widely in price uh, that we can give to. And we actually have pictures of why we're doing this uh, from the housewarming thing last week. So the first thing is based on like as you drive in. Uh, so the first thing that needs to happen at the building uh, is we have a slight drainage problem in our parking lot. Rain is great. Rain that sticks around and needs a pump afterwards for a few days is not as great. Uh, so one of the things that you can give towards is you can give towards buying a parking spot. Or uh, you people can, there's like, our goal is to redo everything. We need to triple our parking for the, for the sake of the fire department. They need to be able to drive in, drive around, and drive out. And right now the amount of spots that we have are filled before first service starts based on the amount of cars that are here that would then be over there and then there's the whole drainage issue so we got some parking uh, if you come to Mountain View Sunnyside in our new building and you bring a lost friend with you you really want that friend to be able to park so solving that uh, is a really big deal so you and your friend you park you walk in you'd love to have a nice entryway where they can get some coffee where it's nice and warm where they can get a piece of paper that talks about what's going to happen that morning and right now we've got a picture of our entryway let's take a look at that yeah, it's going swimmingly. I think that's the right verb. Uh, we're going to build on that. They dug the foundation, I think, about five minutes before it started pouring. Uh, so that's our reality right there. That's what is going to become our entryway. And you can give towards that. That's another one of the options. So you, uh, you've parked in a great parking lot. You've walked in. You've got some phenomenal coffee. Everything looks great in there. There's lots of nice people like you who are going to say hi to people. Uh, and now they walk into the worship center. And it'd be great to be able to sit down. Like, it's been a long day. We don't have any chairs. So uh, you can sit on the, on the concrete, which would be, like, fun for about five seconds. And then everything would start to hurt. Uh, and so one of the things that you can give to is you can give towards buying your lost friend and buying yourself a chair. Because that's way better than standing for an hour. Uh, we like to make services short here, uh, but standing for an hour is never any good. Uh, and so you, you got a chair, you sit down, and you're thinking, man, I really like this song. I'd love to know what the words are. And uh, we've got a picture of the screen right now. Just kidding, there isn't any. Uh, so we need to redo all the, like, do. There's no redo in this. <laughs> we need to do lights and, and screens and stuff like that so that we can see and bring the church, I don't know, into the 1980s. That'd be great because uh, right now it's somewhere around the 40s, uh, 1740, and uh <laughs> and that's our reality. Is one of, this is part of what you, get, what you can give towards. And if you're like me and you've got little kids and you, you and your lost friend have parked, you've walked into the entryway, you got coffee, you walked in, you sat down on your nice soft seat, you're looking up at the screen and there's a three-footer who's running around your ankles and you just want to wrangle him. You'd love to send them to kids ministry. Uh, we've got a shot of what that looks like right now. These are like close to being done. This is the only, only facility there that's pretty close to being done. The only problem is 
with teacher Rachel, there's nothing else there. There's a bunch of boys, and all of them unanimously agree they did it. It's their fault. It's not us. Uh, but, but, yeah, we need, to finish, we need to furnish what's going on in kids. And these are all areas that we can give towards. My challenge for all of us is this is what I'm going to do, too, is you just ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to give towards? All this stuff is written out. Uh, you can grab the brochure as you head out today. But you say, okay, Jesus, what's my number? What do you want me to give? And then we faithfully uh, give towards that. If Jesus gives us a number, it's going to be the perfect number. It's not going to be too high. It's not going to be too low. He knows exactly what's going on, and he knows our financial situation better than us because he knows what's coming next. You and I don't know. Wall Street doesn't know. Our imaginary broker uh, doesn't know, but, but Jesus knows. And this is a chance for us to give generously as God has blessed us and a chance for us to step out uh, and fund what God wants to do through Mountain View Sunnyside. Uh, you can get all that as you head out today if you want to look it up and, and check stuff and, and ask more questions. And one thing that I said last week that I'm going to say again and I'm going to continue to say it as we talk about year-end giving is if you have any questions about any of this, talk to me. All right. I don't know everything, but more than anything, what I want to be is transparent and available. So if there are things that you're not sure, uh, how are we going to do this? What's our plan for this? What's the cost for this? As we move forward as a church, ask. Because I, I will either answer or I will loop you in on the conversation of me finding out. Uh, and since we're talking about a lot of money, I definitely don't want to be like shadowy and shady on this. I want to be totally light and totally transparent and given all the information to you as I receive it. So today we're continuing our series called Christmas Playlist. Uh, we're looking at five songs from the book of Luke that get our hearts prepared for Christmas. There's a lot of preparation that needs to go into Christmas because it's a big deal. And today what we're looking at, we're looking at a song from a guy named Zachariah. And Zachariah continues to help us get prepared for Christmas because his big deal is about the purpose of Christmas. Last week we looked at the life of Mary. If you didn't hear it, you can go back to the podcast, uh, listen to that. You can listen to me at double speed, which is always amazing. Um, and, and what we're going to see from Zechariah is how God speaks to him in a huge way and how God brings him into God's story about what's going on. So a little bit of background on this guy, Zechariah. Zechariah is three things, okay? He is old, all right? By the but the time that this happens, the thing that his heart has been yearning after, has been asking God for, uh, he's basically considered that this thing is done. That doesn't mean that he's a bad person, because the second thing I want us to hear about Zechariah, he's old, he's also really godly. Like, you look at this guy, you look at his life, you look at the brief description that we get about who Zechariah is in the Bible, he is a godly guy. So you've got an old man, you've got a godly guy. This is probably somebody uh, that maybe you've got in your family that you grew up looking, at, looking up to, thinking this person, grandpa, uncle, whatever, knows the Bible so well. This is Zechariah. This is his thing. Like, he is good. He knows the Bible. He loves people. He serves in his church. And then, like a lot of us, there's, there's hurt there. He's old, he's godly, and he's also hurting because him and his wife were never able to have kids. In that day, there were no non-kid people. Like sometimes today, you can just say, oh, I just don't like kids. Back then, it was a sign of distance from God. It was an understanding that you must have done something wrong if you have problems having kids, which is absolutely not what we think, absolutely not what we believe, absolutely not what we pray towards. And so Zechariah carried this with him all the time. He's lived his whole life with him and his wife wanting this and, and never getting what they had asked for. And so one day, Zechariah is going through the motions. He's serving in his church. He's doing the stuff that he's supposed to do. And an angel shows up. And an angel speaks to him and says, you and your wife are going to have a baby. 
It's going to be a baby from God, and it's going to change the world because he's going to be the one who tells people about Jesus before Jesus comes. And so Zechariah goes home because of doubt in his heart, because of asking the angel, kind of prove yourself, show yourself. He can't speak. Uh, He and his wife, uh, they're together. The wife becomes pregnant. And then when the baby is born, Zechariah erupts in song. And what he says for the first time to be able to speak is he talks about the purpose. He talks about the meaning. He talks about the background of Christmas. And the reason that this is a good thing for us to look at today is because something as big as Christmas means it's really easy for stuff to go wrong. Today we're talking about why we need Christmas, and the reason that we need Christmas is not because everybody wants creepy dolls running around everywhere on people's doorsteps. You got a picture? There we go. That's not the answer, okay? There are other things that aren't part of Christmas. This next one, that could look like the baby Jesus, but once you see the severed toe, you're never seeing baby Jesus again, right? It's one of those pictures, Is it an old woman or is it a young? Is it the severed toe or is it the severed toe? It's a severed toe. Next one, what do we got? Yeah, he sees you when you're sleeping. Nope, 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 that's that's not good. We got another one. Yeah, uh, that was before the Me Too movement because that's a really aggressive Santa. Okay, nobody wants to sit on that. Uh, Next one. Yes, Christmas is great, except for when the tree doesn't leave. It just kind of like flattens on the ground. Uh, That's never good. Uh, We got another one. That is acceptable in my opinion. Okay, I think that's fun. Uh, If that shows up on my front yard, I will not complain whatsoever. Uh, And then we got one more. That's awesome. All right, that's just fun. I'm in favor of that too. Uh, But all these things, good, bad, creepy, severed toe, uh, they, they move us towards Christmas. I love decorating for Christmas. It's fun. I enjoy it. I like the challenge of building things. As we talked about last week, that should all happen like after December 15th. But, but it's a big thing, and it's a big purpose that can so easily get misplaced. And so what Zechariah does is Zechariah reminds us better than these pictures ever could, reminds us of what Christmas is, reminds us of who needs Christmas. And the first group of people that needs Christmas is you need Christmas when you need to be redeemed. You need Christmas when you need to be redeemed. This idea of redemption is something that Zechariah and his people understood so well. And so his song, he begins, he says, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He's saying that before anything, before Jesus is born, he's given the, the DNA, the, the mix behind the message, behind the method of God coming to earth because it's on a redemption method. And Zachariah's people understood redemption because of a story that was huge for them and, and is found in our Bible. It's in the book of Exodus. Because Zechariah grew up and Jesus grew up as a Hebrew, as an Israelite, as a Jew, as we would call it today. And they grew up knowing the story that uh, years and years and years ago, in a place called Egypt, they were slaves. They were slaves for 400 years. And God raised up a delivery, raised up uh, a leader who was going to walk them out of their slavery, and is a man named Moses. And the pinnacle event behind all of this was what came to be known as the Passover. It was nine plagues, nine ways of God attacking the things that the Israelites looked at for power. So it's their livestock, it's the sun, it's the Nile River, it's their health and their comfort. God attacking these things systematically and methodically reminding them and showing them that you're not in charge, that God is the one who is powerful. And all of this led to the 10th plague. God warned that each 
uh, that the oldest son in every family in Egypt and in Israel uh, would die if there wasn't blood smeared on the doorpost of every home. He says this in Exodus 12, verse 13. He says, the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. It's redemption. God gives a warning, but God also gives a way out through the blood. There's no third option. He's saying either somebody in the house is going to die or there's going to be blood smeared across the house and everybody in the house is going to live. And so since there's no third option, the angel of death came. This is in Exodus chapter 13. And Pharaoh, the leader of Israel, or the leader of Egypt, is devastated when he wakes up in the middle of the night. And it says that the whole town is filled with crying, with weeping, with wailing because of what happened. There's redemption, though, because God gave a way out. And as Pharaoh is devastated, he frees Israel. He says, get out of here. I don't want you around anymore. Go. And Israel walked out of their slavery as an army going off to battle. They just simply walked out. They had been held captive for generation after generation after generation. God comes through. God rescues them. God redeems them through the blood of a lamb. And they walk out in freedom. And so that's their story of redemption. Zechariah gets up at the beginning of all this and says, you know what, this is, this is God's method. This is God's mission. He's coming into the world to redeem and so for him, it meant something, but we weren't there. That's not our history, and that, that's a long jump for us. But we still need redemption. We just need a different type of redemption. Because for the people in Zechariah's history, they understood slavery because it was, their, it was their past. They were under Roman occupation. But for us today, we're still under slavery, but we need freedom, from, we need freedom for spiritual slavery. That's us, is we need Christmas when we need to be redeemed. We need Christmas when we need Jesus to come into our life to free us from living captive to sin and to free us to live lives of freedom spiritually. And so that's the first group of people. Second group of people is, is you need Christmas when your problems are greater than your solutions. This is where we see problems solved. This is a season of us getting to see problems solved. In verse 69, Zechariah continues. says, he has sent us a mighty angel or sorry, he has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. He's talking about David here. He brings that up. Uh, he sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David. David was the biggest king of Israel's history. So he's bringing David up and he's saying this savior, he's going to be strong. He's going to be big. He's going to be able to do more than we could ever expect a king to do. He's going to reach in and change everything in us, change everything in what we understand a, a savior to be and what a king to be about. And the thing is, is that he's doing that because we can't do it for ourselves. God uses this as a measuring stick. He uses David as a measuring stick to remind Israel, to remind God's people that they can't do it for themselves. And we have no use for a less than mighty Savior, right? We have no use in our lives for another promise that supposedly everything after this is going to be just fine and it turns out to be not fine at all. We've got no use for that. We want a Savior. We need a Savior. We need a Christmas where God comes in and God changes everything, where he takes out the areas of slavery in our own life, takes out the darkness, takes out our addictions, and leads us into freedom. 
We don't want something else that's just going to go like surface level and then leave. We want something that's going to bring deep healing to us. I am conveniently green, right? There's the whole spectrum of recycling uh, to pocket mulch and like even like doing that to like, I'm just going to throw everything in the trash and let somebody else figure it out. Like I'm somewhere in the middle. If it's convenient, I'm totally going to recycle. If it's inconvenient, I carry it with me for five days. Nope, done. Uh, But I was at my house a while ago. And I was taking trash out to the curb as the truck drove by. Uh, and what I had in the bag uh, was like household trash. It's like food and stuff. And the truck that's driving by is recycling. So I know that what I have is not going in the truck. Uh, and the guy goes to my house. He takes the can. He dumps it in. He puts it back on the, on the curb. He's like, hey, you can just throw that in here. And I said, no, no, no. It, it's trash. Like it's, it doesn't go in there. He says, don't worry about it. Your neighbor tried to recycle carpet. So the whole load is ruined. I'm like, all right, here you go. Not my problem. All of us have recyclable carpet in our lives where it ruins the whole load. And whether, we, we, whether we've missed the mark by an inch or by a mile, we've all missed the mark. And what Christmas does is it reminds us of the fact that we can't save ourselves, that we can't dig into our own lives and take out the stuff that's not supposed to be there. But Jesus can. And Christmas is a season where we get reminded of this, that just as we worship God who became flesh and was born as a totally unexpected, totally surprised with where it all happened and how it all happened, baby, that it's a reminder that there are areas in our lives where we can never be our own Savior, but Jesus is our Savior for us. That's what, that's what pushes us to give. That's what pushes us to do more than, than we normally do. This is why people are more generous around Christmas time than they are normally. It's because it's a reminder of the fact that God was incredibly generous and incredibly powerful for us. For us as, as a church, we've got the Christmas blessing trees. You walked out, uh, and a bunch of the gifts that were already given, uh, we, we staged it this way on purpose, went to a school that's a quarter mile from our new building, uh, and we, Pastor Greg and I got to deliver them uh, on Sunday, and we, or on Friday, and we got a bunch of videos from the school about how excited everybody is, and the principal and the teachers just saying thank you so much. And so I'm going to pass that on to you guys as a church. Everyone who gave toward that, everyone who bought uh, a gift for a, uh, for a kid, if your number on your ornament was between 1 and 30, you gave towards uh, what was going on at an elementary school over by our new building. You provided Christmas for kids that it might not be provided for otherwise. That's awesome. That's, that's godliness for us as a church. And so as, on behalf of John Wash Elementary, I want to say thank you. Thanks for putting skin on this. Thanks for putting a face on this. Thanks for putting a gift behind this that we got to provide Christmas uh, for some kids. And that type of life, that type of, of, you know, pushing beyond what we can see, asking Jesus to come in and bring more freedom than we could ever expect, that takes faith. It takes faith to expect something different from Jesus than what we've already had. It takes faith for you, if you're absolutely not a Christian, to actually put your life in Jesus' hands and let him take care of you and let him reshape your life and redirect your faith. Redirect your life. And with faith, there's always the tension with fear. There's always the battle with fear. There's always fear as that relative who comes over and plops in your life and never ever leaves long after you want them to go. Fear keeps showing up. And that's even in the Christmas story. Uh, There are three different times where angels appear to people and and have good news for them. And an angel shows up to tell them about the Messiah coming, about God putting on skin and living among his people. That all happening. And every single time the angel shows up, he's got that same first word for everybody. Same first word is always, don't be afraid. 
Because everybody's always afraid. Every time the angel shows up, people are freaking out. And the thing is, is that that's how fear is in our life. Taking our next step following God means facing fear. And for us, we need Christmas when our fear won't leave. We need Christmas when our fear won't leave. And people in this are easy. Okay, if you're hosting Christmas and somebody is sticking around way too long at your house, here's something I learned from my grandfather, right? He grew into being a nice guy. By the time I came into his life when he was like mid-50s and then got to know him in 60s and all that stuff, he was a nice guy. He wasn't always, uh, and so this kind of came out in other ways. So we're having family dinner over there. Dinner ends. People are hanging out. Grandpa's ready to go to bed, so he goes in his room, puts on his PJs, and starts walking through the kitchen with his PJs, brushing his teeth, just looking at everybody. That's a pretty easy way to get people out of your house, especially if you sleep in the buff. But <laughs> emotions aren't that easy, right? You can't just kick emotions out. You can't just kick fear out of your life. We invite Jesus in, and then we walk out what he leads us in, and that's what Zechariah continues with. We have been rescued for our enemies so we can serve God without fear, without fear. Zechariah speaking under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying that with following Jesus with Christmas, this is a flesh and blood reminder that we need Christmas for us to defeat fear in our life, for Jesus to come in to defeat fear in our life, to lead us into, into, into servitude to God, out of slavery to fear, and Christmas is our reminder of that. Next, we need Christmas when sin holds you captive. Next, verse 75, we're rescued from our enemies. And we serve God in holiness and in righteousness as long as we live. Holiness and righteousness, those are characteristics of God. And God never has any sin in him. So if we're going to live like God, if we're going to act like God, if we're going to treat people the way that God would, that means we're doing it without sin. And sin is us saying, I'm calling the shots. I'm doing life my way. And sin always is and always will be our world's biggest problem. It's not education, it's not poverty, it's not self-esteem, it's not self-worth, all those things. It's sin. And we know that that's true because we can have family gatherings that are well-funded of people who have tons of self-esteem, who are very well-educated and put anything, any other qualifier on that. And every once in a while, they're all just going go to go to a huge trash mess. Because the world's biggest problem, because our biggest problem is sin. And what Jesus does is he comes in and he breaks the captivity all of us are held captive by sin. We've all got that, that measure uh, of carpet inside the recycling bin of our life, okay? And we need somebody to come in who's outside of our condition and free us from our captivity. To redeem us. To walk us out of slavery and into freedom. And Zechariah is saying the truth that God did that. That as Christmas happens, we, we celebrate the birth of a baby. We're not just celebrating the birth of a baby. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior who walks into our life, takes us by the hand, and walks us out of darkness into light. We need Christmas when sin holds us captive. Next, you need Christmas when brokenness moves you to action. Verse 76, and you, my little son, this is Zechariah. He's talking about John the Baptist, who is going to be the forerunner, uh, the prequel to Jesus, who's going to go everywhere talking about how important Jesus is and how important it is going to be to follow Jesus. He says, you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell people, you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. I think there's a moment 
in our life as Jesus followers where, where our, our love for people overwhelms our ability and our willingness to just kind of be quiet and let people manage their own lives. Where God gets a hold of our heart, God reminds us of what we've been saved from, God reminds us of what we've been saved for to the point that it boils out of us and makes a difference in other people's lives. I think in my life when I was uh, 18 or 19, there was a guy in high school that I ran with, did sports together, all that stuff, and by the time I graduated, I hated this guy. Like, bad news, hated this guy. Uh, And then he showed up at church around Christmas. And it's like all the feels, right? It's like that guy that you can't stand, and then you see him at your church. It's like, what are they doing here? They're a sinner just like you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and I went up to him like, dude, how are you doing? And he says, I'm doing bad. Like, this has been a tough year. And all of a sudden, that, those years of corrosion and rust and ice and hate just kind of fell apart. I remember going home after, after I'd talked to him about how much God loves him. And this is not like a 90-minute sermon and perfect points and illustrations and pictures of baby Jesus slash severed toe to get people interested and all that stuff. This is just like, uh, God understands your hurt. God wants to help you. Can I pray for you? Like, that's all it was. And that was the moment for me where I look at God kind of breaking off the ice of, of unforgiveness and the hardness of, I don't like you, I want bad things to happen to you, which is things that I actually said. And, and God saying, dude, this guy has issues just like you. We need Christmas when brokenness and, and other people's uh, hurt moves us into action. God's the instigator and the reminder of this because God looked at all of us in our hurt, in our brokenness, in our midst of sitting in a year that we don't want to, sitting in sin that we don't want around us. And what did God do? Is God put on skin in the person of Jesus and came to live among us to say this is the reason for Christmas. As there's freedom found in Jesus that's available in no one else. And it's our message, it's our joy to bring that forward. Today in Shape, we read a story about Jesus talking to people. Shape, if you have no clue, uh, if you're like, do I have to do crunches to go here? No, you don't. Uh, Today in Shape, we read about Jesus talking with some people, and he says, I am the way to heaven. I am the truth about heaven, and I am the life. I am the pathway to eternal life. There's no other way to get to God except through me. That's a message that should push us into action 24-7, 365. And we need Christmas when brokenness moves us into action. And lastly, you need Christmas when you believe Jesus is the best gift ever. You need Christmas when you believe Jesus is the best gift ever. Verse 78, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. This is Zechariah putting, putting his exclamation point on the, the meaning of Christmas, on the purpose of Christmas, reminding us who needs Christmas. We need Christmas because we've been saved by God's mercy instead of punished forever by God's judgment, which is what we deserve. We need Christmas because there's light coming in the person of Jesus who's coming to rescue us, who's coming to redeem us from the darkness that we honestly created ourselves. There have been things that have been done to us that lead us into darkness. They are bad, but none of us can sit here and honestly, innocently say it's none of it was my fault. It's all our fault. And what does God match that with? Instead of judgment, it's mercy. Instead of darkness, it's light. Instead of death, it's life with him. 
not just in eternity, but life with him day in, day out. God walking us through the difficulty that this part of year might be for you. And lastly, it's peace leading us to eternity. That's the gift of Jesus. That's not just the gift of Jesus when you're little. That's not just the gift of Jesus when you die. That's the gift of Jesus for us right here today because we need Christmas. We need Christmas to remind us of the fact that we've been redeemed. We need Christmas to remind us of the fact that you and I cannot save ourselves but that Jesus did it for us. We need Christmas to remind us of the fact that he is the way out of fear. We need Christmas to remind us of the fact that there's freedom from sin and to remind us of the fact that just as God has freed us, if he's freed you, there are people around you who need to hear this same. That's the meaning of Christmas. That's the purpose of Christmas. That's the joy of Christmas for us who have experienced that. And I want to say if you're here today and you've never done that, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a couple minutes. And you're going to walk into this season knowing the God who loves you, the God who redeems you, the God who bought you from your own bad decisions and says, I've got a new life for you that I want you to live in. Let's stand and pray.